You're about to hear a sermon from Han Vision Church in Lawrenceville, Georgia, delivered by Joe Song on our study on the Gospel according to Matthew. Thanks for listening to Han Vision. Different. <laughs> Every week is different at our church. Never know. Well, guys, we're just going to go after it today, all right? Because the time is short, literally. If you're new, welcome. Welcome to our church. Um, it's never like this, but every week is like that. So every week is different. So if you don't like it, come back next week. It'll be different. Uh, if, if you guys can open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 to 28. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 to 20. Oh, by the way, uh, we forgot to take offering, and that's important because it's part of worship. And so we're going to have the offering basket go around just while the sermon's happening. And so just kind of like have your offering ready if you have an offering today. Uh, and then we can offer that to the Lord and um, continue to worship. And if anyone has a testimony that you really want to share, you could like right now is the time. Does anyone have like a testimony they want to share before we jump into the word? Okay, going once, going twice. All right, good. We're just going to jump in then. Um, Matthew chapter 16. If you have your Bibles, if you can turn to Matthew 16, verse 24 to 28. Uh, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. And we'll come bring it over to you. We need a Bible up here in the front. Uh, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we, I'm so thankful that you are here and that you are working among us, that you have a plan for us, that you love us. And God, so I'm even thankful that that's you. You're the one who changes hearts. It's not me. It's not how well I preach or, how, you know, the things that I say. God, you have something to say to us today through your word. So I pray that it's our hearts that are open uh, to what you have to say, that we may hear your voice and, uh, and fall more in love with who you are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Matthew 16, verse 24. To 28, it says this. It says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What shall a man give in return for his soul? For the man, for the son of man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his father and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the son of man coming in his kingdom. Amen. Oh my gosh, this, is a, this passage is so, there's so much here. There's so much here. I was talking to, I was struggling with nine o'clock because there's just, Jesus is saying some crazy things, all right? We could like sit on this passage for the rest of the year, but we're not going to because we don't have time. We'll try to see, yeah, we'll see what we can, we'll just, let's just start, let's just go. Uh, beginning, verse, verse, verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, and whenever something starts with then, 
It's because something just happened. Like then after this, Jesus did this, right? So what just what did Jesus just say? If you look at the passage before, Jesus just got done telling them who what he's going to do. Right? Jesus just revealed his secret identity to the disciples. It's like, who who am I? And the disciples are like, we know who you are. You are the Christ. You are the son of God. <laughs> like, you are the savior. You are the king. You are the Messiah that's, that's here, that the Old Testament, pro- or not, that the Bible promised us that we've been waiting for. And then you're here now and you're the son of God. And now his secret identity has been revealed to the disciples. And now Jesus says in the passage before, now, now that you guys know, you know who I am, you know what I am, here's what I'm going to do. Now he lets them know the, the planet. He's like, all right, we're going to go to Jerusalem. They're like, yeah, yeah, that's good. Let's go to Jerusalem. That's like where you become a king, right? Now we're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer many things. And they're like, wait, what? And then I'm going to get killed. They're like, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. And then I'm going to rise again. And then they just lost their minds because they're like, what are you talking about, Jesus? You cannot do this. You're the one we've been waiting. You're the savior. You can't die. You can't suffer. And Jesus says, I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again. I'm going to die for the world. And they, and, and then, you know, what, what do they say? They're like, shut up, Jesus. That's literally kind of what Peter said. Peter took Jesus aside. He's like, shut up, Jesus. Don't say these things. This shall never happen to you. Don't talk like that. Don't say that you're going to die and suffer. And Jesus literally says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. This is why I came. I came to die, to suffer for the world, to die for the world. Don't you realize this is the one thing I came for and you're telling me to avoid it? You're telling me to not do the one thing that I'm supposed to do that God wants me to do. And isn't that crazy? That's what Satan does. He just tries to make us miss out on the only thing that matters. Satan's like, hey, go, you know, go be a good person. Go be nice. Go make some money. Go, you know, make a lot of friends. Go stare at your phone. Go do these things. And there's all these things that Satan tries to distract us with, hoping that we'll just miss out on the only thing that matters in our life, which is a relationship with the Lord doing what God calls us to do. All we have to do is do what God says. And this is what God has brought him to do, to die on behalf of the world. And with good intentions sounding like he, out of love, Satan likes to disguise and and try to distract us from the will of God. He says, I'm here to die. And Peter says, no, don't do it. He says, get behind me, Satan. And some of us need to say that. Some of us are distracted with all these other things in our lives. And we need to say, get behind me, Satan. I'm here to do the will of God in my life. And so Jesus reveals that I'm here to die for the world, right? And every time I'm here to suffer, to die, and to rise. And every time Jesus reveals to his disciples what he's going to do, that he's going to suffer and he's going to die on the cross, he always invites them to join him. Every time Jesus is like, I'm going to go suffer and die. He says it several times before he actually does it because they don't get it. Every time they don't get it, he's like, guys, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. I'm going to rise. And they're like, what? Shut up. And then later he's going to say it again. Guys, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. I'm going to rise. And they're like, guys, I don't, do you know what he's saying? And then later he's like, guys, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to, and I'm going to die and I'm going to rise. And they're like, I think, does he, I think, is it metaphor? And then like, he actually goes and does it. But every time he does this in the Bible, he turns around and he says, guys, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. 
will you join me? Every time he invites them to follow. Every time Jesus brings up the cross, there's an invitation. The cross demands a response. Jesus Jesus says, if you will follow after me, you want to follow Jesus? Really? Then you better follow. You better come to suffer, to die. You see, knowing isn't enough. Believing is not enough. You see, at this point, the disciples knew who Jesus was. They knew that he was the Christ. They knew that he was the Son of God. And now they knew what he was going to do. They knew the right answer. They knew that he was going to suffer, he was going to die, and he was going to rise again. But knowing is not enough. Believing the right stuff is not enough. You have to follow after him. You guys know what I'm saying? You can know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. You can know and believe that He's the Messiah. You can know and believe that He died and rose again for you, for your sins, and that He's God. You can know all these things. And a lot of us do. You grew up in the church and you heard these things growing up. You know it in your head. You even believe it in your heart. There's no reason for you not to believe it because it sounds pretty good to me. So you know it, you believe it, but it's not enough to know. It's not enough to believe. You have to follow after him you guys know what i'm saying there is no passive observers in christianity you can't just sit back and watch you can't just sit back and learn you have to follow or not you must make a choice and that's where a lot of us have been you know it you studied it you know all the right answers but you are not following after him You're not denying yourself. You're not picking up your cross and you're not living after him. You're still just living after yourself and you're still just following you and you're still saying yes to you. True followers of Christ must follow him to the cross through death into resurrection. Where are you today? And if your answer is no answer, your answer is just nothing. You're just passive. You're like, yeah, I believe these things, but you know, we'll see and you're just passive, and your life hasn't changed, and you haven't been moving to follow him, your passivity is your answer, and your answer is no. Jesus is saying, will you follow after me? And you're like, you know what? I'm just thinking about it. You're saying no. I'm just waiting. What are you waiting for? He already died for you. He already rose from the dead. What are you waiting for? That's all we got. And Jesus says, will you follow based on those things? Like, I'm waiting for some prayers to get answered. That has nothing to do with this. If you have any other excuse, you are saying no. You're saying, Jesus, I believe in you. I know you died for me. I've heard of this and I see it, but I will not follow you. That's it. There's no way to sugarcoat this thing. It's either yes or no. I'm following or I'm not. And if you want to follow, then pay attention because Jesus said, if you want to follow after me, this is what you have to do. Number one, you have to deny yourself. Let him deny himself. That means you have to say no to you. To a, and that's almost offensive to our culture where you, where I am God, right? Where it's all about you. 
Jesus says, no, you need to say no to you. You need to deny your desires. You need to deny yourself. Surrender, give up control to God. You are no longer led by your own passions or your desires or your body, but you're actually supposed to say no to them. What? I mean, that's crazy. Every day you get up in the morning and what do you do? Everything you do, you're just doing what you want to do. You go and you're just following your desires around everywhere. Isn't it? Like our whole lives have been like that. And Jesus is literally saying, say no to yourself. That sounds, man, that Jesus is really bad at selling this thing, right? This is bad marketing. But here's the thing. It's because he's trying to lead you. You have to deny to say yes. You have to say no to say yes. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, if, like, let's say a guy comes up to you, ladies, and a guy's like, like, girl, like, I want to be with you. And you're like, ooh, okay, you're right. And he's like, but I also want to be with, with these four other women. What are you going to say? You, no, you be like, are you crazy? No, like, if you want to be with me, you have to say no to them. It's like, but, I, you know, I, I, I've known them longer. You know, like, I don't know. Like, you're just like, this is not, this is not how this works. You want to say yes to me, you have to say no to them. Right? When I, when I was at the altar at my, on my wedding day, right? And I said yes to my wife. You know what I was also doing simultaneously? I was saying no to the, what is it? 7.7 billion people in the world. So I was saying no to 3.85 billion women. When I said no, when I said yes to this one, I said no 3.85 billion times to all the other women in the world, right? And I think I got the better deal out of that, right? Because think about it, like I said yes to one and no to 3.85 billion, but somehow that's a better deal. That's what it is. Jesus is saying, deny yourself. And it seems like you're saying no a billion times to all the things of the world and all your desires and all your plans and all your dreams and all of your feelings and all of these things that you are saying, nope, nope, deny yourself, deny yourself. But it's so you can say yes to God. You can say that one yes to the only one that matters. My yes to that one worth way more, right? Than all the other no's that I've had to say. There's life, love, intimacy, relationship that comes from that no because it on the other end of that no is a yes. And when Jesus says deny yourself, he's saying it's because I'm getting you ready to say yes to me. So no to your flesh. No to your pleasure, no to your comfort-driven life, to your ego, to your pride, to your ambition, your, you know, illusion of control. When you say, he's saying, say no to selfishness so that you can say yes to love. Amen? Because, you know, the opposite of love isn't hatred, it's actually just selfishness. Because love is always others-focused. And selfishness, there can't be, it just doesn't make, you know this thing where our world's gospel, which talks about self-love, love yourself, that's like not a thing. How do you love yourself when love is completely about others? You know what I'm saying? Like self-love is not real. 
Self-love is just rebranded like selfishness, right? Jesus is saying, say no to self and say yes to me. Say no to your desires and say welcome to community, right? That was, did that rhyme? I don't know. How... <laughs> We're supposed to say no to me and yes to us. Deny yourself. Are you denying yourself? Or are you just running around saying yes to yourself still? Because if you are living in a life where you're not denying yourself, then you are not following after Christ. You're still just following after you. And though you may believe, though you may know the right things, you're still not following. But here's the thing. Jesus never leads us to do anything he would not do himself. And Jesus, he first denied himself. He suffered. He went to Jerusalem and he suffered many things. He was the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He is God enthroned in heaven for all of eternity. And he humbled himself to become a human being. And he was rejected. He was spit on. He was cursed. He was mocked. He was beaten. This is the King of Kings. This is God himself. He was denied all comforts. He was punished. He was tortured. He took off his robes and got on his knees and and washed our feet. He denied himself the honor that was due to him as God and king. He denied all that he deserved for you and for me. He denied even the desire to not want to be crucified in that garden when he said, not my will, but yours be done. He denied his very self for us. He said no so that he could say yes to you and me. He's not asking us to do anything he hasn't already done for us. He says, deny yourself. Take up your cross. And when the disciples heard that, they didn't hear what we hear. When we hear cross, we think of Jesus. We think of salvation. We think of redemption. When we think of cross, we make little, you know, things and we put it around our, our, you know, on our necks. When they heard the word cross, this is before there was Christianity. So when they heard cross, they heard Roman death punishment. They heard the worst way to die. They heard shame and a The cross was reserved for the worst, most offensive sins. The worst, most shameful, most despicable, dirty crimes. Murder, lust, treason, rape, you know, like insurrection, terrorism. These were the things that they reserved for the cross because it was the most painful, most humiliating way to die. And Jesus is saying, that is what I'm telling you to take up right now. The cross is all of your guilt and your shame exposed to the world to see. The cross is getting what you deserve, dying for what you've done. Everyone, when, they, when Jesus says, take up your cross, in those days, people will be like, what? I don't deserve a cross. I'm not that bad. I haven't done these things. I haven't murdered people. I haven't risen up against the guy. I haven't caused treason. I haven't raped anyone. I haven't done these things. I don't deserve a cross. That guy deserves the cross. Those criminals deserve the cross. I don't deserve the cross. And Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you take up your cross because you 
deserve it. We deserve the cross. We are not innocent. You take our sins and you put it on display for all to see and everyone will agree you deserve to be up there. And Jesus is saying, those who follow me do not hide their crosses. They carry them. Christians, we need to stop hiding our sins and acting like we're more innocent than other people. We are sinners who deserve to die. We deserve the wrath of God and nothing more. We are no better than anyone else. How dare we judge others? Why does the world call us hypocrites? Why do we pretend like we're better? Why do we come to church acting like we have our stuff together when we are a mess inside, when we curse God, when we lust, when we steal, when we gossip, when we hate, when we murder people in our heart? when we're such a mess inside and we come to church and we act like we have our stuff together we have the audacity to go out there and we judge others guys we all deserve the cross and Jesus says take it up for the world to see carry your cross It's not about just arbitrary suffering. A lot of people think this idiom, take up your cross, is just, it just means to suffer. You know, when Christians suffer, they just say, oh, that's my cross to bear, right? At work, you know, when your boss is mean to you, you're like, oh, she's my cross, gotta bear it. No, it's not about others. It's not about suffering. It's about your sin and your guilt and what you deserve for it. And Jesus is saying, take it up. Realize this is what we deserve before holy God and then come follow me. And follow him where? To Jerusalem. Where he's going to take you up that hill to where the crosses are. And as you carry your cross somewhere along the line, he's going to grab your cross and take it off your shoulders. And he's going to climb to the top and then he's going to lie down on top of your cross, on my cross. And he's the one who will die on it. Because he says here, take up your cross, but he doesn't say die on it because he's going to. Where he will get spit on, where he will be whipped, where he will carry the guilt, where he will carry our crimes, our lust, our greed, our murder, our pride, our hate, our bitterness, our envy, and he will die for it. Jesus didn't carry his cross up that hill. He carried ours. He carried mine. And he died in our place. He put our sins to death on that cross. And he took the full punishment for all that I deserve, all that you deserve, all that we deserve. He took all of the punishment and the wrath of God so that there's literally no more punishment left to be paid. Some of us are still living like we're still trying to pay for the punishment of our own sins. But guys, it's already been paid. He paid for all of this, nothing left to be paid for because Jesus Christ took care of our sins on the cross now and forevermore, amen? Stop trying to save yourself because you've already been saved. Stop trying to pay for your sins, they've already been paid. Carry your cross, don't act like you're innocent, but realize that cross has been paid for.
And it weighs nothing because he's the one who's carrying it now. Yeah, we walk around and we have our crosses, but we're free. The weight of it we feel no more. The death we do not fear. For Christ has already, is victorious over the grave. And that's why Jesus says, trust in me. For whoever will save his life will lose it. Don't try to save your own life. Stop trying to save yourself. Stop trying to save yourself with, with you know, the things that the world told you is, go, is what it's going to take for you to find true life. What have you been doing to try to save yourself? Finding it through a relationship, through friendships, through success, through your career, through what people think about you. You think that's going to save you. We're trying to save ourselves. And Jesus says, that's not going to save you. You'd go that way. You're going to lose it. Some of you are holding on to these things. And Jesus is saying, let go. Those things are all going to get burned up. And you along with it, if you don't let go, you're going to lose your life. Trust in me. And some of you are trying to do it religiously. You're trying to save yourself with religion, even with Christianity. And Jesus is saying, Christianity isn't going to save you. I'm going to save you. It's not how good of a Christian you are. Trust in me. Follow me. Deny yourself for me. You're going to lose it if you try to save yourself. I said it a little earlier, but the message of our world is self saving. It's all about self salvation, isn't it? It's about, it's all about self esteem. That's the answer, right? You be you, you do what you believe, believe in yourself. Every Disney movie, that's the, that's the, that's the believe in yourself, you know, trust yourself. Respect yourself, love yourself, improve yourself, do it yourself, self-love, self-care, self-fees. You know, it's all just about you and turning the focus and finding life and salvation in you and what you can do. And it sounds great. It sounds good. It, no one is offended by that except for God because it's from the devil. Stop loving yourself and love God. Stop loving yourself and love others. The opposite of love isn't hate, it's self-centeredness. Life is not about you. It's not about finding satisfaction in yourself. It's about finding satisfaction in God. And it's about not loving your, learning to love yourself. You need to love others. That's where life is. It's so crazy how we buy the gospel of this world and all it leads to is isolation and death. Jesus is saying, let self go. Lose yourself. Let self die. Those who lose his life for my sake will find it. True life, eternal life. What can only be found in Jesus Christ when you do lose it and you fall into his arms, you lose your life for his sake. Let me just give a little parentheses, a little aside here for a second. Like if Jesus wasn't God, he's a crazy person. Cause who says this kind of stuff? You know what I'm saying? Like there's some like people who believe Jesus isn't God. 
You know, there's other like religions or other Christianity religions who believe Jesus isn't God. They're not the same. But if Jesus wasn't God, like, and then he's telling the world and his disciples, lose your life for my sake. That's crazy. If you're not God and you say that stuff, you're like an evil, sick person. You know what I'm saying? Like if Jesus was a good guy and he was like a good rabbi and a good teacher, he should say, lose your life for God's sake. Right? But he's saying, no, no, lose it for my sake. That's, that's crazy unless you are God. You know what I'm saying? If, you, if there's someone in your life who's saying, lose your life for me, you run from them because they, they're crazy or they're, they're, or they're evil or unless it's Jesus, then you run and you say, yes, Lord, have my life because you are the only way. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What, what shall a man give in return for his soul? You know what I'm saying? Like if someone's about to steal your soul, like literally what would you give for it to, 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 have, to get your soul back? But then like, like we give it away so easily. Like how much is your soul worth? Like what would you give? Right? That's what he's saying. Million dollars. Devil came in here and was like, hey, I'll give you million dollars for your soul. Right? You'd be like, no, heck no. Right? You'd be like, I'm not gonna give, my soul's not worth a million dollars. That's crazy. That's my soul. It's like, what about 10 million? And some, some of you now are like, wait a minute. Right? It's like, what about 100 million? Bitcoin. Right? It's like, oh, that's okay. Okay. What about a billion dollars? That's a lot of money. What about a trillion dollars? No, there's not even a single human who has that much. A trillion dollars. Would you trade your soul for a trillion dollars? And for some of you, are like, Pastor Joe, it doesn't, why do you keep going up? It doesn't matter how much you say, it's not worth giving up my, my soul. Are you crazy? That's what Jesus is saying. Your soul is literally worth more than all of the material world. All of the money, all of the wealth, all of the power, all of the things that this world can is not worth one human soul. Do you guys see how God looks at you? What he sees when he looks at you? How valuable you are to him? You are literally worth more than the entire material universe to him. You think about that next time you look in the mirror and you think you're worth less. And how ridiculous that is. Next time you think you're worth any less because of like the clothes that you wear or because of like, you know, some grade or what someone said, you are worth the world more to God. And I know this because he gave his only son to die for your soul. That's how I know you're worth more than the world. That's how much he loves us. That's how valued we are in the eyes of God. And that's the only eyes that matter. Amen. So let's stop trying to chase after value in the eyes of people that don't even matter. Trying to chase after things that we're literally giving our soul away for what? How do you forfeit your soul? There's somebody like, I don't know. Am I doing it right now? Maybe, 
Because in there's a very similar deal that Satan tried to pull on Jesus a couple chapters ago in Matthew chapter 4. Satan comes up to Jesus in the desert and then Satan says to Jesus, Jesus, I'll give you the whole world, all of the kingdoms and all the glory and all the power and all the wealth, but you just have to worship me. You give your soul to what you worship. And if you worship anything other than God, you are forfeiting your soul from the kingdom. You worshiping something right now that's not God? Is it worth your soul? What are you giving your soul up for? A couple likes on Instagram? Man, you are selling yourself short. The approval of a, a human being? Some of us don't even know, but we give our soul and our worship away so easily. That's why God says we worship him and him alone. Amen. We give our soul, our worship to him. That's why Sunday when we come to worship, it is so important that we're doing this because we are giving him our souls every single time. What is it worth? Your soul is worth more than the world. Man, again, dang it, I'm stuck. There's more. He says more stuff, and I feel like I need to stop, but I'm, we can't stop, right? We can't. We, never, we can't stop. He says more things, so we're just going to move on. Because he says the Son of Man is going to come, because this is, this is why we can't stop, okay? Because the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in glory, in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Okay, I'm just going to jump into it because of time. Like, he's, Jesus is coming back. He is actually coming back. He will return. That's what he's telling you. He's telling his disciples, I am going to return. He's saying the Son of Man will return with his angels, the glory of his Father. And the disciples are like, what are you saying, Jesus? You're already here. And he's like, I know I'm here, but I'm going to come back. They're like, wait, does, that means you're going to go. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to go. Where are you going? Uh, you can't follow me. Okay, but I'll come back. But when I do, it's going to be different. You see, like Jesus, quiet, computer. Like when Jesus comes back, like when he came the first time, he came, he just told us, I came to die as a sacrifice for the sins of the world and then to defeat death so that those who follow me can also be saved and can be... You know, you know what I'm saying? That's why he came. But when he comes again, he's going to come completely unveiled glory. He's going to come ex exactly as he is. King of kings, Lord of lords, God of gods, Jesus with his angels in his full majesty. And when he comes, he is coming to judge the world. He's coming not as savior, but as the judge and king. And when he comes... Every eye will see. When he shows up, everyone will bow. When he comes, there will be no more faith. Faith, the chance for faith is before because now the reality of Christ will become fact. No one will have a choice to believe in Jesus because he will be here. And the only choice to follow and believe in him is right now before he comes again because the whole world is going to know and see him and they're either going to be on their knees in worship to him or they're going to be on their knees in terror. 
And the only time for us to choose which side we're going to be is right now in this moment of grace where he came and he's inviting you to follow him. He's going to come. And he's coming to bring judgment and justice to the world. He's going to repay every person according to what he has done. Right? I don't know what that makes how that makes you feel. You know, there's so many people. There, there are famous Christians, Christian celebrities. There's been several of them who have denounced their faith. And the reason why they denounced and walked away from Christianity is because they looked at all the evil in the world. They looked at the Holocaust and suffering, and they said, if God is so good, if he's such a God of love, how can he allow so much evil and injustice to happen in the world? And let me tell you, God is not just letting it happen. He will return and he will bring justice to every wrong, every act of wickedness, to every crime, everything that has ever done to cause unjust suffering onto anyone who has ever lived. He will bring absolute and perfect justice on everyone, for everyone. No evil, no crime, no selfish act will be forgotten for he shall return and when he comes, justice will be complete. So people are asking like, how? why isn't God doing anything about all this evil? Don't worry, it's coming and he will. And when he does, you're gonna wish that you, I don't know, maybe didn't complain so much. But that absolute justice goes both ways. Because even the good that goes unseen will be repaid. No unseen act of kindness, no secret generosity, no moment of integrity and purity when you're sitting in your room and temptation comes and you fight in your heart and you say no to yourself and you say yes to Jesus and to purity. He will not forget. No moment of honesty or sacrifice or love or mercy towards someone even though no one knows, even though the person that you sacrifice for never even knows it or cares or appreciates, God will not forget and that person will not lose their reward. Amen? Some of you who are struggling in your faith, God sees you and he shall return and his reward will be with you. And if you follow him, and you take your cross and you give him your sins, when he returns, there will only be reward because the wrath he took care of himself. But those who are not under the cross, those who are not following him, they have to pay for what they have done themselves and they need to save themselves. And Jesus says, truly I say to you, there are some who are standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And literally, he meant it. There were some of those disciples who were going to see through visions the future of what God was going to do. John, one of the apostles, saw it and he wrote the book of Revelation because he saw what was going to happen when the judgment comes. Some of these disciples were going to see Jesus in his full glory on the Mount of Transfiguration in the next section. But I believe he might be even saying, this legitimately to our generation some of us standing here may not die before jesus returns you guys realize that my whole life i thought i was gonna live my whole life grow old have kids see the grandkids and then die i that's literally what i thought and i thought jesus is gonna come in like a thousand years from my lifetime or some other time but not in my lifetime because you know i never win anything 
You know what I'm saying? Like I do raffles. I, I rarely win. Nothing ever special happens in my life. But who, like, you know, how lucky are we, am I that Jesus is going to return in my lifetime? You know, like that's crazy. That's just what I thought. I just never, never thought that it could actually happen. Jesus says it could happen. You need to live like it's going to happen. I'm like, yeah, yeah, Jesus. I know you're God and you know everything, but nah, I'm gonna, we're going to be fine. I better start saving for retirement because, you know, I'm going to live this thing out. What is that? That's like literally based on nothing. Jesus is saying, I'm coming back. He is coming back. He is going to return. The time is short. And our generation is actually a generation where I think it could happen. Because Jesus says in Matthew 24, 4, that the, all the nations will hear the gospel and then the end will come. And all the leading missiologists right now, these are experts in world mission, world evangelism. They are predicting that in our generation, in a couple of decades, we literally are going to reach the, the, everyone who's left. It's crazy. You know, over and over, it says in the Old Testament that God, when before the end comes, that God will gather the scattered Jews from all over the world and he will reunite them as one people and he will reform the nation in one day. And did you guys know this actually happened? Did you know in 1948, Israel was not a country and then in one day, it just became a country. Like... The, the nations after World War II, after the Holocaust, they just came together like we should give the Jews a homeland. So they just made it happen. They just created Israel out of nowhere. It was not an entity before. And then it formed into a nation. In 1948, it literally happened. God, and then all the Jews started coming from all over the world to live there. And then in the Bible, it says like in, the, in a certain number of weeks, then the end will, the Lord will return. And then people who calculated those things using like Bible things, they were like, that either means 50 or 100 years from, from that moment. And guess what? In 100 years from when, re, when Jerusalem was literally reborn is going to be 2048, which is in our lifetime. All right. Like, this is just a few of the crazy things that like the Bible predicted that are literally happening right now in our generation. Revelation talks about things like there's going to be like this, this, there's going to be things where the whole world is going to start buying and, and selling in this one place. And like, unless you are like buying and selling and have the mark, like you're not going to be able to buy anything. It's like that kind of stuff is happening right now. It says when Jesus returns, the whole world's going to be able to see him. Like, how is that? Like, how else can the whole world see something at the same time, except through things like the internet? Like, there's just things that are happening right now. There's catastrophes and, and like the world, the climate is changing and disasters are happening and unprecedented levels. And like, it's crazy. Like, I don't know what all this means, but the Bible said it was going to all happen before the end and they're all happening. And how crazy would it be for, how foolish would it be for us to just be like well whatever and it's not going to happen in our lifetime and just live with no urgency and always just keep pushing it off later later i'll just wait for later some of you are waiting to follow jesus and you're like i'm not ready yet i'm not ready yet. what are you waiting for this is literally the time of grace right now and this is all you got but when that time is done, like he will return 
And you will beg, you will give. There will be nothing in this world that you will not beg to give for one more second for you to have the chance to turn and repent and believe. Are you ready? He said, I am coming back. The last thing in the Bible is literally that message. The final thing in Revelation says, I am coming soon. I am going to return. We need to live, guys, like Jesus is coming soon because he is coming soon. And even if he doesn't return in our generation, which now I'm starting to think like maybe I feel like the chances of him coming are getting higher and higher the more I think about it. But even if he doesn't, we need to live like he is. Because whether you know it or not, we're all going to face him. And when we see him next, he's not going to be crucified, Lord. He's going to be king of kings, judge. So now is the time to look at Christ. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him today. Let's pray. For listening to the Han Vision Podcast. We hope you were blessed. Join us next week on Han Vision.